So Spencer Castleman may have offhandedly said the best description for Ephesians, or at least this letter that we call Ephesians. Now, when we were talking that night at PVD together, it was not over a book of the Bible. It was actually over people. And one of the things I was asking Spencer was why he chose the Kegels at the time for his dig group. And he said, to sum it up in one sentence, they are what it is all about. If we were to give a tagline for this small letter that we call Ephesians, the small tagline we could give it would be, this is what it's all about. When it comes to the story of God, there is an eloquent letter that describes the story of God and the story that God's people should live out from it. What are you going to find out in Ephesians? You're going to find out simply this. What does the term in Christ truly mean beyond just a cliche, and how has it become a reality? So if you've got your Bible with you, you're going to want to go ahead and pause this session, and you're going to want to read, and it's a massive amount of reading, but you're going to want to read Ephesians 1, 1 through 2, and then after you've read through that maybe a couple times because we're going to dive deep into it, you'll want to come back to us Press play, and we'll start nerding out over these two verses of Scripture to start off this book that we're walking through in Ephesians. All right, let's go ahead and get started on nerding out. Now, there's only two verses, as you probably read, but there's a considerable amount of things to nerd out in just these two verses. Actually, what scholars would call this is just a greeting. Uh, and in this greeting, it really reminds me of what Christmas was like for me and my household growing up. Uh, I don't talk about Mama Witcher very often, but here's a Mama Witcher story. So uh, in our household, gifts didn't just show up on the 25th of December. They would actually periodically show up all throughout the month of December just underneath the tree. And it was the greatest thing in the world because every time a gift showed up, the best part of it was getting underneath the tree and reading the tag because mama witcher would do three things in the tag she would write to as far as who was it to she would write who who is it for or from and then the third would be she would give a hint about the gift that was actually in the box which was just the absolute best and when we look at the greeting that paul gives to this he actually gives those same three things. In the two verses you read, he states who it's coming from and who it is to and what you can find in this small letter that we call Ephesians. So, and the first address is to on this gift. When talking about it, it's recognized as Paul. Now, let's talk about something that's in the very small fine print. Uh, you will probably find in a lot of Bibles that will make notes that say, uh, we find this letter to be a disputed one. And what we mean by uh, disputed and undisputed is there's a couple letters, I think it's seven, that are undisputed letters that are like, okay, we know that this has Paul written all over it. And then there's uh, disputed letters where it's like, this has traces of Paul, but this may have someone else involved 
in it. And I want to speak to that for a second because uh, there's some phrases, there's some stylistic choices that do pop out that kind of make you wonder, uh, is, is this all Paul? Is this someone that's a follower of Paul that's also adding to it? But one of the things I want to reassure you, the church has taken this letter and has said it's so valuable in forming our Christian faith and the witness of the Christian faith because it's this very well thought out letter. Sometimes when Paul talks, especially in letters that we call uh, the undisputed letters, it's almost like Paul is having a text message conversation where he's kind of just throwing sentences back and forth and it kind of feels like this like jarring experience. One of the things with Ephesians though is Ephesians is less like a text message conversation and more like a well-written Google document that many people have worked through, many people who knew the message that Paul was carrying, and now they're moving this towards the people of God. Now, let's move to uh, who this is actually going to. This is going to um, the church in Ephesus. So we know a couple of things. There's fine print, once again, that actually identifies the Three earliest records that we have. Uh, sometimes you'll hear the word manuscript thrown around. Uh, they don't actually have the word Ephesus in it, which is like, okay, so who is this letter going to? Like, what, what do we do? Is this a Mission Impossible type feel? We've got a couple things that we do know, though, because Acts 19 does record Paul actually going to Ephesus and his story there. We also would guess that if there's multiple churches there, this may be a letter that's not written to one church in Ephesus, but this may be a, a letter that is circulating to multiple churches in Ephesus. And maybe one of the best things that's helpful to remember of who this is written to as you read along beside it is it doesn't seem like the people who this is written to know very much about the story of Israel and how their story is colliding and being involved in the story, which is very good news for you and I as well as we read through this. So we know who and we know who it's from. So now we move to calling it out. What's the thing that we need to grasp from this greeting in the letter? All right, what do we need to call out of this passage? There is some real fire that is found just in this second verse that is there. First of all, you have Paul saying grace and peace that comes from Jesus, who is our Lord. So when Paul is referencing Jesus as Lord, he's saying all of the words that are about to be written in the rest of this letter, they come to us because of the grace and the peace that comes through Jesus. Another word that translators sometimes will say is they'll talk about Jesus Lord or Jesus as king. And king, back in the time where this would be written, they would understand that to actually be a reference as a king is a representative. Lord Jesus is actually humanity's representative. And here's the thing about a king. What a king experiences, the people also experience. What happens to him happens to them. What Jesus comes and brings grace and peace, you and I, as we read through the letter of Ephesians, will experience 
grace and peace as well. And if that's not just enough that's packed in it, the second part of the verse even makes it even better. Because in usual terms, when you would address a letter in the very beginning, you would start with greetings. And Paul is actually going to take the Hellenistic or the, like, the regular people's terminology, the Greek phrasing of greeting. He's going to take that word and he's going to switch it from greeting to grace. Almost as a way of saying the message of Jesus is going to be one of grace. One of grace for people who may not know anything about God's story. There's grace there. But he doesn't stop there. He says grace and peace. Which peace would actually be for the people who do know God's story really well. Peace would be found in the early parts of the Old Testament where that term shalom would be. Which shalom was just a way of being able to say uh, peace on your life. May your life be as God intended it to be. And as Paul writes this, he writes grace and he says peace. He is saying that there is grace and peace for those who know a ton about God's story. And there is grace and peace for those who don't know anything about the story of God. And the best part is, is that Jesus Christ is bringing all people together through him. How does a letter of Ephesians start? Don't get past verse 2 without understanding that Jesus ushers in grace and peace. He ushers grace into your life in the moments where you are the worst. He ushers in grace and peace in the moments where other people are the worst to you. Jesus is grace and peace even for the things that are out of you and I's control. He's bringing grace and peace. All right, so going out, how do we put a bow on this? To be able to walk away from chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, I've got a simple question for you to sit with. So I'd recommend taking out your phone and setting a five-minute timer. And once that timer is going, I would take five minutes to simply reflect on this question right here. Where do I feel like the grace and peace of God is present? And where do I feel like the grace and peace of God is absent in my life? Where do I feel like I'm fully embracing and experiencing what God desires for me? And what feels missing? Or where do I feel like there's a gap? Take time to be able to pray and pray on those questions today. May your time of prayer Bring grace and peace.